Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight Lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Well, hello there, and welcome back into the latest edition here of our uh, once a week opportunity to talk media and the insights on the sportsmediawatch.com podcast. I am the somewhat capable host back from the West Coast, going uh, east to west and back for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers game with the LA Rams. Uh, he is the owner, the operator, the purveyor of sportsmediawatch.com, John Lewis, back aboard. So I have survived being out in Hollywood. No, I did not get a, uh, a movie script offer, no, nor was I seeking one, nor was anybody seeking me out. So I'm back on the podcast for another week is what I'm trying to get at here. How are you, John? You know, uh, just looking out of the window, watching the asphalt grow. <laughs> it's another day uh, as we progress along uh, into almost the month of October. This is the final one that we'll do for the month of September. Uh, I did find it funny being at SoFi Stadium for the Buccaneers and the Rams, which much of the country saw for NFL football on Fox, that the cast and crew of Ted Lasso was at the Rams game in a suite. And I did immediately think of John Lewis. John should be here for the uh, no. rousing ovation. No, yeah. Well, you know, uh, LeBron and Kawhi were there too. That's correct. Big, and so was Magic, and so was Mike Tyson, and it was on and on. And Dr. Dre was there, and Larry David was there. So the celebs were out, and that was that was definitely some scene. And give credit to the Rams; they look good. Not just all the flash and the glitz, but they look good as a football team, at least to start that game. And we'll probably come around to my Buccaneers playing the New England Patriots and what John's prediction will be on the Sunday night football ratings. We've got topics from the NFL coming up to the WNBA. The baseball playoffs are about to be here. And of course, some love it or leave it before we are done. Let's begin uh, with the NFL ratings, which are still uh, very strong. Um, I, I saw where, uh, once again, for week three, they were very good, if not better than 2019 in most of the windows. Interesting that for um, the Sunday night game, the Packers and the 49ers, I didn't see the final rating on that one, but you would think with the close game that that should have been right in there uh, from that window. Most of the country, again, had uh, the Buccaneers and the Rams as the late game on the Fox doubleheader, and it was very comparable to 2019. The NFL still holding strong, and you had the Dallas Cowboys on Monday Night Football as well for the ratings to hold strong, John. Well, you know, I mean, the NFL uh, continues to, I mean, you know, again, I don't want to put any cold water on it. I, When I look at the numbers, I see they're not that different than they were in 2019, which, of course, in the context of all the horrendous declines of the past year is a win. But, you know, it's also the case that, I mean, this is not, we're, these are not record high ratings, let's put it that way. Uh, the fact that they are not record low ratings is, I guess, worthy of celebration in these times. But these are not record high ratings. Nobody is setting any kind of all-time marks here. 
Uh, these are really, really strong numbers for 2021, especially given how many fewer people are watching linear television now than just two years ago. Uh, and that is a substantial drop in terms of the people who are actually watching television at all. So the fact that the NFL is on par with 2019 is an enormous win, not trying to suggest otherwise. But, you know, these are still numbers that in 2015 would have been, you know, the NFL would have had their little panic. Jerry Jones had been running around trying to figure out, you know, we got to get the players to stop protesting because we're going to all lose our shirts. That's what these numbers would have looked like back then. So, you know, just something to keep in mind. Uh, I mean, honestly, in NFL Sunday where no window gets a 12 rating, I mean, let's slow our roll before we start talking about how great that is. Because a few years ago, an NFL Sunday where no window gets a 12 rating would have been eye-opening, sure. right? Or at the very least, on the mediocre end of the scale. So, you know, uh, again, the numbers are really, really strong for 2021. In the current context, they are really, really, really strong. The fact of the matter is that if just a few years ago, these would have been considered very poor numbers for the NFL. You well, maybe not very poor. Maybe not very poor. Mediocre. Yeah. Mediocre. But and and uh, again, in the context of everything else that's around, you've made that point over and over again. It is doing exceptionally well to compared uh, to everything else uh, that's out there in the decline that's been. Um, interesting so many fantastic finishes i don't know if you saw this note there have already been 10 games in the first three weeks of the nfl season end on the last play of the game either the last play of regulation or obviously a sudden death overtime that ends the game that's up there there's been no other three-week time period in the last 20 years that's had 10 games in that way uh, in the first three weeks, the closest one in the last 20 years is like six. So they've had a lot of exciting finishes, including again, that Packers um, 49ers finish quick story. I was around a few hundred of my closest friends in the airport terminal at Los Angeles International Airport Sunday night late, who were all very interested in the end of that San Francisco Green Bay game and the Packers eventually made the field goal. And there was a lot of roaring and cheering like we were in San Francisco in Santa Clara for the end of that game. So you got an exciting one uh, on Sunday night. Uh, for sure. By the way, I just look while we are talking and uh, the ESPN announcement is that it is the most watched Monday night uh, football week three game since 2012. It did involve the Dallas Cowboys. It did have 15 million viewers on ESPN. Interesting that back to the Manning cast, we keep bringing this up. They have grown again in audience. ESPN says there were nearly 2 million viewers, John, 1.9 million viewers watching on ESPN two. So combined audience there again is a 17 million audience for monday night football on the two channels again relative to other years that may be comparable or a little less but still that's a a strong number it's just amazing again that espn did their deal with the mannings for the first three games and now it's going to go away they have more than doubled the audience almost two million john just real quick yeah well i mean that week one clearly the abc simulcast was a factor keeping the numbers down i think a lot of people didn't know about the manning cast as well but still the growth is spectacular obviously i, mean, I don't think anyone expected nearly two million viewers for this like i said last week you have to seek out espn2 you have to look for it right you're not going to default to espn2 so uh that tells me there's a lot of interest and the fact that it maintained the audience from last week i think that's more impressive even than growing the audience from 800,000 in week one the fact that you had that 1.9 million tune in in week two and they came back in week three. Uh, you know, I mean, let's be real, 1.9 million viewers 
for a, for a primary broadcast of a regular season NBA or Major League Baseball game, that's a big number on cable. And this is for an alternate presentation on ESPN too. So it's an enormous success. Uh, doesn't change my view that they've done a tremendous disservice to the main crew. And I think next week when it's only the main crew and you're gonna see people complaining about it on Twitter, that will be when you see that you know, ESPN has done them a disservice. But look, it, it's working. Um, it's working tremendously well. There's a reason everybody wanted Peyton. And uh, ultimately, um, this is something that is working quite well for him because it's not the kind of commitment that he would have to make in a real analyst job. And it's working for ESPN as well. Sure. And there's, there's great points to be made about what you just said. There's not... Uh, the near travel, the not near a meeting with the two teams and production meetings and meeting with your own crew. Sure, they're meeting with their crew to go over their show, but it's a lot more like talk TV than what it is an actual game broadcast. Um, again, I sampled uh, the, the Cowboys Eagles with the Manning cast as we keep doubling it. Um, I, I thought it, it, they had Peyton with the coaches clicker standing up in the studio. They clearly are spending a lot of time and a lot of production value on this. And he was there with the coaches clicker on the Cowboys first touchdown, showing what to do later on. When I came back by, they had Eli on one of those surface tablets, circling things. You're showing him circling things and you're seeing it on the screen. There's things for the viewer that are there the same way that a broadcast is. And it helps that they're bringing in heavy hitters. They are smart to do this. Brett Farr for the Packer game, John, I know you know this, but for the audience, Brett Farr for the Packer game brings in extra audience uh, when he's there. They brought in Nick Saban, the Alabama coach, Alabama playing Ole Miss this week in college football in an enormous game. I believe ESPN's game day uh, pregame show is there. I believe that's the case, even though they're not showing the game. CBS is showing the game. But Eli Manning went to Ole Miss, so they're going back and forth between Nick Saban and Eli Manning sitting there. So this is very well thought out and very well done. But I just wonder here if they don't lose all the momentum like we talked about last week because this is going away for at least a couple of weeks here. And I saw one more thing being reported uh, by uh, Andrew Marchand of the uh, New York Post that it may not be back on many more Monday nights, John, that they're apparently going to bring it back for the Saturday NFL games that they're doing at the end of the year and for the wild card playoff game. And there is also talk that they might use them on a college football game down the road, in particular, if it's the Tennessee Ole Miss game, man, to have those two sitting, breaking that down. But it's just interesting. It's not necessarily going to be on Monday night for the rest of the year. That's a fascinating point on this, too, with how it's, it's set up. Yeah, well, I, I don't know that, I mean, that, that Saturday week 18 doubleheader, I don't know what value that's going to have because we don't know, is ESPN, is ESPN, get, uh, excuse me, is ESPN going to get the two best games right. in week 18? Uh, you know, there's a reason why ESPN for so long didn't get a game in the last week of the season because, you know, that's a tough week to program for. So, you know, maybe the Mannings will be the only reason people tune in that week. Or maybe you'll be wasting them on two games that are not really all that relevant to too many people. Because, you know, NBC is going to get the primary week 18 game. If there's a win and you're in, NBC is going to get right. So I don't really know what kind of games ESPN and ABC are going to get for that Saturday doubleheader. Um, and, you know, look, uh, I would imagine that Peyton and Eli are driving this. Like maybe Peyton said, you know, let me take five weeks off or something like that. You know, and then ESPN kind of has to work around that desire. Um, I think 
expanding it to college is a great idea. As you said, if it's Tennessee, Mississippi, that'd be a great, great bit of uh, theater there. Uh, and, uh, you know, it could be a real franchise for college and pro games, maybe even for the draft, right? Uh, they're always looking for additional hours of tonnage for the NFL draft. So that might be another good place to fit them in. You know, maybe you really, really go wild with it. See if they can do NBA and NHL too, right? I mean, you know, it can, it, honestly, it can be a real franchise for them. And uh, uh, again, you know, none of it would be possible if not for the you know, evident skill that uh, Peyton and to a lesser extent Eli have. And they play so well off of each other. I was just thinking this when you were saying that. You can try it with other sports and even with others. I don't know how well it's going to work with anybody else compared to this. They are in a groove. And now ESPN goes away from it for a little bit. So we'll see. But they're going to continue on, obviously, with Monday Night Football and building that. It's the it's the Raiders and Chargers next week. And that turns out to be a really good game with the Raiders 3-0 and and the Chargers 2-1 and for the buildup for the game itself that should help them uh, on that. A uh, couple of more uh, uh, notes on football on TV. Notre Dame in the uh, early window, just to tell you the power of Notre Dame in the upper Midwest and the Northeast, the Notre Dame-Wisconsin game on Fox, I believe I have this correct, correct me if I'm wrong, it had just over 5 million viewers. It was the most watched game of the weekend, even at noon Eastern time, 9 in the West for the start time for Notre Dame-Wisconsin. So Notre Dame still sells. You wonder why every chance that in particular ESPN slash ABC is going to grab Notre Dame and try to put them in primetime, or in this case, Fox, grab them and put them at their big noon kickoff slot. Notre Dame still delivers ratings. They deliver the Northeast in particular. That's not as big a college football hotbed, but they're a Notre Dame football interested hotbed with an older demographic, obviously. So I, I found that fascinating. John, any reaction to that, that, that even though ABC had a, an exciting Oklahoma-West Virginia game uh, on in primetime, uh, I'm trying to remember what Fox had on as the primetime game that night. They may have had baseball uh, on on Saturday night, but the Notre Dame game earlier in the day still won out. Oh, that's no surprise. You know, Fox has uh, really done a very good job programming big games in the noon window. Uh, three of the nine most watched games this season have, have been in the noon window, each on Fox. Uh, that compares to two games in the 3.30 window and I think three in prime time. So basically noon is he equal to prime time. Uh, you know, that's no surprise, and especially Notre Dame. Yeah, Notre Dame, obviously, a different drawing card, and they'll be on in primetime a couple of more times. Of course, they have the deal with NBC um, as well, and that's usually a daytime slot uh, for NBC uh, on that. Interesting that the college football playoff is still trying to figure out, are they going to expand? ESPN originally had put in front of them to have a 12-team playoff uh, and have that maybe as soon as a couple of years from now begin. I just wonder, look into your crystal ball, John, here, that there appears to be some sentiment, in particular from the Big Ten and the Pac-12, to wait, that they may want to split the college football playoff up into two entities. How big of a player might Fox be in this with those two conferences and with the college football playoff negotiations here about televising the games for years to come, it's, it's going to be a 10 or 12 year deal whenever they renew it. Well, it'd be about time for Fox. Uh, there was so much discussion about when they sold off all of those assets to Disney. The idea was it'd be leaner and more competitive, but all we've seen happen since is that they've lost Thursday night football. They haven't really been the kind of factor a lot of people thought they would be. So, uh, you know, if they can get into the playoff, that would be big. 
they're going, they're coming after ESPN. You know, they're, they're coming after ESPN on college football, and they've made really, really strong inroads. I think they should try to get Herb Street. That'd be a real, mm. that'd be a real knockout blow. I don't know what Herb Street's sta- uh, contract status is, but they should really try to get him. But um, you know, they're coming after ESPN hard. Uh, I would expect them to be in the playoff mix. Uh, doesn't mean they'll get the rights because Disney has a heck of a lot more money than Fox does, right? <laughs> Disney was able to take on all those assets. Uh, so, but I, I do think they'll be in the mix, and I think it would be very smart of the college football playoff to, uh, you know, get rid of this exclusivity, unless ESPN is willing to really, really overpay to maintain it, to get rid of this exclusivity, get a second partner in there with an expanded postseason. There's no reason why uh, the college football playoff, one, should be on cable, and two, should be on only one partner. The Super Bowl alternates, you know, the, even the Stanley Cup final alternates. So I, I think uh, the playoff will be, you know, get in, maybe even let Fox and CBS in, maybe go with three partners. That's unrealistic, I think. But, you know, I mean, th- they should be trying to diversify the rights. Well, let's see how that ends up. Again, it was supposed to play out this week as a mere formality and rubber stamp for ESPN. That's not going to be the case. It's going to be probably at least a year or two trying to figure out conference realignment. Do the Big Ten and the Pac-12 continue to expand? and increase and then what happens with fox or another entity coming in like you mentioned uh because in college basketball there are two partners cbs and turner and almost every other one has two uh, postseason broadcast partners major league baseball let's segue into that here in a second has two broadcast partners for the postseason with fox and with turner so they almost all um have a second one uh, down the stretch of the season. You're listening to the Sports Media Watch podcast, sportsmediawatch.com. The purveyor, the owner, the operator is John Lewis, a.k.a. Paulson. Uh, follow him at Paulson underscore SMW. Great takes, great insight on the uh, television ratings and on the comings and goings of the biggest things in sports and media and TV uh, there with John. I am merely TJ Reeves. Again, subscribe wherever you get podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Again, we should specify, follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You do not have to subscribe and pay for it. They do have a distinction between those two services. So follow us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Also check us out on Spreaker. Check us out through John's social media and his website as well to find the podcast. We're out early uh, in the in the week. Um, uh, speaking of Turner, just real quick for Major League Baseball uh, coverage that they've got for the postseason coming up, we still have not heard any confirmation whether Bob Costas is officially part of that. The longtime NBC uh, baseball voice, he's now been with the MLB network uh, doing baseball almost exclusively for the last two or three years. Nothing official on him joining Turner as of yet. Haven't seen that, right? We, we, we still await whether that's going to happen. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think uh, there's no real urgency. You know, the postseason begins, what, next week? But uh, realistically, they all know behind the scenes what's going to happen. So I figure we've got Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We'll hear something by the end of the week. Maybe so. And again, for uh, for that, he would be back in a big situation the month of October. And Turner does. Which uh, Turner has the American League? Uh, no, the NL. This year they have the NL on the rotation because Turner had the American League a year ago when my Champa Bay Rays ended up being American League champions. So the, yeah. the rotation is this year they will have the National League, uh, which is fascinating because you're going to have two teams in the National League West that have already won over 100 games, and one of them's got to play in the one-game playoff mm-hmm. next week for the manufactured drama of the win and you're in, lose and you're home one-game scenario. 
uh, that they're going to have for Major League Baseball. I know you wanted to make mention about the WNBA, the WNBA playoffs that are ongoing. Um, currently, uh, John, tell me a little bit more here as that season uh, begins to play out. Well, you know, I just thought it was interesting. They had their most watched regular season in, in uh, what, 13 years. Uh, they had more games on network television over the year uh, than they, I think, than they've ever had. I, I, uh, I went back to the NBC days. NBC had 10 a year in 2000 and 2001. You know, I mean, it's a, it's a testament to knowing where to put your games, right? You put your games where people can find them. The ratings still are not overwhelmingly great. We're still talking about, uh, you know, 300,000 or so. The largest audience of the season was 755,000. The league still hasn't cracked the million viewer mark since 2008 when Candace Parker debuted her first game had over a million. That was the last one. But, you know, uh, it's all about where, the, the trend. The trend is uh, certainly uh, more positive. If they could just figure out how to get the season over by the time the NFL starts, they would really be doing themselves a, a major favor, I think. Yeah, but there is some interest, obviously, in the WNBA. Uh, interesting, too, a couple of announcements that we haven't really talked about here, but a couple of ladies as trailblazers uh, in terms of broadcasting. Uh, Lisa Byington is going to be the Milwaukee Bucks play-by-play announcer, and Kate Scott is going to be the Philadelphia 76ers play-by-play announcer, I believe, on radio. And I saw that Holly Rowe from ESPN and ABC is going to be part of the Utah Jazz broadcast. John, help clarify for me, is she going to be as a third person on that broadcast, a game analyst some of the time, a host some of the time? I didn't see the full details on the deal that she's now involved with the Utah Jazz. My understanding, based on the release, is that she'll be a game analyst. Uh, my understanding is they're also getting rid of Matt Harpering, who had been their game analyst for a long time. Holly obviously can't do that full time, but I assume they'll have a rotation of analysts replacing Harpering. So that's a big role, you know. Uh, it'll be interesting to, to hear her in that role. I think she did play-by-play on a WNBA game once as well. So you know, uh, it's always interesting to see people who held one role kind of branch out into another. And she is, I, I will uh, vouch for this, she is amazingly talented, hardworking, a breast cancer survivor. There are a lot of reasons to root for Holly Rowe on this. And again, when we talk trailblazers, obviously Dora, Doris Burke has been a game analyst for ESPN ABC on NBA games. Sarah Kustak has done the Brooklyn Nets for the last at least two or three years as a game analyst and does a solid job as that. Um, it, it's, it's impressive. As the father of twin daughters, uh, that are now 13 years old, you can point to these different situations and say, dream big, and you can realize your dreams at the highest level of broadcasting or life or business or whatever it is. It's uh, it's neat here in 2021 that we're seeing this with the different opportunities that ladies are getting with the different broadcasts. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's also the perspective that we probably should have been here like 30 years ago, but, you know, that's <laughs> life, right? <laughs> that's the way it works. That is that is for sure. You know what else is life? Life is about what we love and what we want to leave. Oh, did I make an attempt at a segue? I think I did on the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast. Let's begin. Love it or leave it. The United States drubbed the Europeans in the Ryder Cup this weekend. That is the, uh, the golf match play competition every two years. It was delayed because of the COVID-19 pandemic a year ago, delayed by a year. They played in Wisconsin at Whistling Straits, a fantastic picturesque setting right on Lake Michigan with, with cliffs and different elevation and the whole thing. 
love it or leave it. Did you watch some Ryder Cup Friday through Sunday on NBC and the coverage? It did not end up being very exciting. The U.S. blew away the Europeans Saturday afternoon and, and for the Sunday singles. John, did you partake some? Did you love it or did you basically leave it? Actually, I did watch some of the Ryder Cup, but I did so completely idly with no uh, attention being paid to it at all. So it was basically the equivalent of watching white noise. But I did watch some of it. Uh, you know, um, the ratings were, uh, they were, I think it was the lowest rated and least watched Sunday of a U.S.-based Ryder Cup, you know, in forever. But honestly, the numbers, when I saw them stripped of that context, I thought were pretty impressive. You're getting a two rating, you know for golf in September opposite the NFL. I think that's actually pretty good, even though it's historically low. Um, you know, hey, the Ryder Cup, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I mean, I, what? I'm not gonna say I don't care, but I, I don't You're care. not a golf guy. You shared that on the podcast. If you're a golf person, you're into this. And I have long maintained this. I'll share it here on the podcast. This only became a big deal in the mid to late 80s when we started to lose to the Europeans in the late 80s and the early 90s. Then it became a really big deal, much the same way as Olympic basketball was an afterthought and not a big deal until we lost. We lost to the Russians controversially 1972. John and I did not cover those Olympics uh, in 1972 in Munich. We're not that old. But then we lost again some more in the late 80s with the amateurs. That led to the NBA. We began to care much more about Olympic basketball once we lost. The same thing with America's Cup sailing. That was a phenomenon in the in the 1980s on television late night, it only became a big deal when the U.S. lost the America's Cup in sailing. Once we lost, everybody began to pay more attention to it. Kind of the same thing with the golf. And the Sunday rating, as you aptly put it, may not have been very good, mainly because it was already decided. Um, and, and there was not much drama. And there's NFL football on opposite that is going to have drama. So I think that would be part of it. One more note. I love Paul Azinger, and not just because he's from here in the greater Tampa Bay area and a tremendous golfer, but he is a no-holds-barred uh, analyst. He will he will say what he thinks. He will criticize. He was even criticizing the American team, if need be, on decision-making and shots and that kind of thing. I love Paul Azinger, while we're talking love it or leave it, for, for doing something that a lot of analysts maybe – are a little afraid to do, which is criticize, which is part of the job. Paul Azinger is not, John. That is my take on that. I enjoyed it. It's refreshing. Well, you know, I mean, the, he is filling Johnny Miller's chair, right? So why not? Johnny Miller had the uh, famous line when one of the U.S. golfers was messing up his shots. I don't remember who it was. And he said, this guy should have just stayed home this morning and done us all a favor <laughs> while we're watching him un unravel on TV in the pressure-packed Ryder Cup. And, uh, and yes, so give credit there. Okay, uh, we have a, a little more time. So we have another subject. Love it or leave it. We mentioned... Uh, at golf and the Ryder Cup, we have talked to you in the past about uh, different television viewing habits. I wonder, do you watch highlight shows uh, of, of different things, whether it be from golf, whether it be MLB tonight, let's say, for the pennant races? I, I have to, because of my job, catch up somehow, some way. So I enjoy the NFL uh, Network's uh, show with Chris Rose. I believe it's uh, game day final, I think, or Sunday game day final, something like that, to be able to watch the recap. We've talked about Football Night in America and their show, not as much of the game highlights on that. Are you a highlight show guy? And which one do you love if you're in any sport now I'm talking about in terms of highlights and recaps? 
Well, I used to watch a show called uh, Sports Center. Uh, it used to air on ESPN way back in the day, right? <laughs> you know, I mean, look, uh, hey, uh, I'm not anti highlights. You know, I, I watch uh, on NBA TV. You know, mm-hmm. their NBA show occasionally, um, but that era is past, right? They salted the earth, right? And, and got rid of all of that stuff because they decided that no one watches highlight shows anymore. And guess what? It was a self-fulfilling prophecy. They decided that nobody watches highlight shows anymore. And they were right about the young people. The young people weren't, but the old people still were. <laughs> and guess what? Now they're not watching the highlight shows anymore either because they de-emphasized them and marginalized them. So, hey, fact is, you know, I'm falling asleep too early for Sports Center nowadays. Uh, you know, I've got other things going on. Um, if I turn on ESPN in the morning, I'm not getting highlights. I'm getting, you know, loud mouths yelling at each other, right? I'm getting the Norby special, right? That's right. So, you know, like, for me, you know, I have no interest in that. Uh, yeah, I actually find that I'm watching much less ESPN than I've ever watched. Well, not ever. There have been definitely times that I've watched less ESPN than now. But, like, just because, I mean, they canceled all the shows I like, right? And... The highlight shows have been completely de-emphasized and you can see everything that you want to see from the game on, first of all, Red Zone is a highlight show. It's just a live highlight show. Sure. So I saw every single important moment from the entire Sunday of the NFL for seven straight hours. You don't need to watch NFL primetime after that. I mean, you'd have to be a real NFL junkie, sit down and watch Red Zone for seven hours and then go, okay, well, let me see the highlights of this. You know, the Sunday Sports Center was such a big deal. That Sunday NFL Sports Center for years and years and years, that was the way that you would see everything that went on in the NFL. That's just not the way the world exists anymore. It's, that's, that's long gone, you know. Sometimes I wonder what the future would have held for someone like the late great Stuart Scott, who was so big on highlights because right. Sports Center. Sports Center just doesn't exist in that way anymore. Like, I wonder, like, what we, what what kind of work he would be doing now, because there's no there's no stars on Sports Center. Scott Van Pelt is the biggest Sports Center star, and the highlights are like the fifth ranked thing he does. The things that he does, it's the one big thing. It's the thing he does with the bad beats. And, you know, it's the interviews, and the right. highlights are just kind of an afterthought. You know, Steve Levy, one of the one of the longest tenured highlight people at sports. I mean, he's Monday Night Football. He's not a highlight guy anymore. Kenny Mayne is long gone, right? Uh, you know, they still have Linda Cohn and uh, you know uh, Neil Everett, Stan Verrett. They're doing their one a.m. thing, but I mean, the one a.m. Sports Center. You got to be up at one a.m. and two right. a.m. and three a.m. and four a.m. and five a.m. and six a.m. And if you're not up during that period of time, you never see it. It's not like they re-air it. So that's literally just for the night owls. So, you know, the highlight show is done. It's over, it's never coming back. And even among older people, even among the people who grew up watching Sports Center, when they would re-air the old show every morning, all throughout the morning, it's done, you know? Uh, you, you'll sooner see, you know, variety shows back on in prime time, like the Gong Show or something, before a highlight show comes back. <laughs> he references the Gong Show last week. What was it? Facts of Life and Family Ties and Happy Days. And now you reference uh, Chuck Barris and the Gong Show, which was phenomenal TV in the time, especially when he would just go hit it himself. 
forget about the guests, uh, the guest uh, judges. He would go hit the gong himself. Um, uh, in any event, all right, good on those two. I've got one more right here. Love it or leave it. So we we are coming to Halloween. I'm not going to get into all of it. Uh, there are people already where I live here in the Tampa Bay area that are decorating. Are I mean, the, they're decorating for Halloween a month in advance. Uh, are you love it or leave it on the decorations of any of these holidays? I mean, I realize for Christmas, yes, but for, for Halloween, uh, I'm, I'm great with patriotism and have the red, white, and blue out on July 4th. But so re- really... The two biggest ones, I guess, are Halloween. Are we? Can't we leave it alone on the Halloween decoration still in September is my point, Sean. I, I'm more venting and ranting on this love it or leave it. Um, you know, I mean, I mean, yeah, it's too early, but life flies by and uh, you might as well enjoy it now because in the blink of an eye, you'll be 85 years old, <laughs> right? So just... I think, I think I'm already headed there, yes. You know, why not just uh, drink it in, right? Put your Christmas decorations up at Halloween, too. <sighs> Some people live them up, leave them up way too long as well until March or April. Uh, it seems like they take them down for Easter, if that is the case. Uh, all I know is I'm trying to walk the dog in the neighborhood, and the dog is, is uh, easily uh, scared or spooked by a lot of things. And now we got decorations that are up and little ooh noises that are being made in people's sound system. I'm going, people, it's September, not uh-huh. even the end of October as of yet. For love it or leave it. Uh, John, we come down to the to the end of another podcast uh, here. I, I always love getting to chat with you. Anything else that we did not cover here as we talked some football, we talked some WNBA baseball playoffs that will begin next week. The NBA, by the way, having their media days and the NBA preseason about to start up with the Milwaukee Bucks as the defending champions. So we're looking forward to all of that, right? Yeah, you know, nothing more to talk about except for some third rails, but we can always push that <laughs> off for another day, right? <laughs> so. We will we will do our best to do that. We remind the audience, however you found this, a social media link through John's site, sportsmediawatch.com. Make sure that you are subscribed, if you can, on a podcast outlet. Again, follow us on the two biggest ones, Apple Podcast and Spotify, but the podcast is also there as well on Stitcher, on a Google Podcast. Uh, subscribe to us there. Find us on Spreaker as well. Uh, if you're a podcast fan, you'll be able to find us on Spreaker. And again, John's social media handle, Paulson underscore SMW for Sports Media Watch, for everything about TV and the ratings, et cetera, et cetera. John, I always love the insight for another week. America, you're going to have to deal without having the Manning cast for Monday Night Football before we're back again. They somehow have to survive, John. Yeah, well, you know, uh, I'm sure, you know, Levy, Riddick, and Greasy will be happy to have all the uh, hecklers that they'll get on social media for not being as good as Peyton and Eli, right? (laughs) So that'll be exciting for them. But they'll also get a couple of more million people probably watching too, which will be of... Oh, that'll be the real test. That'll be the real test. Let's see. And again, it is a good matchup with the Raiders and the Chargers to see if it holds true as a good game. John, uh, thank you. We've come to the end of another edition here of the podcast. I appreciate your time as always. We'll be reading the site as well. Look forward to talking with you again soon. All right. No problem. There is John Lewis. I'm merely TJ Reeves. Again, sportsmediawatch.com podcast, wherever you get podcasts. For now, we are done. We're interested in everything that's going to be happening with the baseball playoffs coming up, the football continuing, the basketball and the hockey as well, the NHL on ESPN and Turner. New outlets for this year. All of that is about to start. Uh, We'll be talking all about it. Hopefully that you're here with us along the way on the sportsmediawatch.com podcast. Bye.
Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.